and they all lived happily ever after. It's one of those cliched lines, isn't it? It's one of those lines that we all know, one of those lines that we've all heard. And it's the ending of probably quite a lot of children's books. But if we think about it on a broader scale, there are so many different um, books, films, musicals that all end up with some kind of happily ever after. So whether you're watching Shrek or whether you're a bit more sophisticated and watching Pride and Prejudice, the ending is the same. It's the couple walking off into the sunset arm in arm. Or it's the hero of the story who fulfills everything that they set out to do. I think there's something deep within us, actually, as human beings that likes the happily ever after ending. That likes it when a story is all sort of tied up neatly at the ending and it all feels good and we get that feel-good factor at the end. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a little bit disappointed if I'm watching a film or reading a book and actually the ending is a bit cryptic or it's a bit of a cliffhanger. But what about the ending of the Book of Acts? This rather slightly obscure reading that we've had this morning. I've preached through the Book of Acts a number of times, but I don't think I've ever got right to the end. Um, Because it is a bit strange, isn't it, how this book finishes. But the Book of Acts as a whole is Luke's great history of those first years of the church, of the birthing of the early church at Pentecost, and going right the way through from those heady days of the gospel being proclaimed into Jerusalem through to where we are at the end with the gospel in Rome. And it's a book that is full of action. There are 40 miracles that take place in the book of Acts. Interestingly, 39 taking place not within church communities, but outside of church communities. There's the spirit falling at Pentecost and people speaking in tongues they haven't learned. There are people who are freed from the powers of darkness. There is powerful preaching where thousands are converted. And there is this astronomical growth of the church throughout the whole of the book. And then we get to this ending. If you joined us for the last couple of weeks, um, Phil Jump, who's our regional minister, has taken us through a couple of the earlier chapters of the Book of Acts. And if you didn't get a chance to to watch those, could I really encourage you to just go back and watch them? They were really sort of encouraging and poignant messages for us at the moment. But perhaps if we'd read the earlier chapters of Acts, we would expect some kind of glorious finish, some kind of amazing sort of ending that Luke would bring us. But actually, it's a little bit different. The book of Acts, as it's gone through, has started to focus us in onto Paul. Paul the Apostle converted on the Damascus Road. And it really then follows his ministry and his sort of trajectory of sharing the gospel around the Mediterranean. And he ends up in Rome, the powerhouse of the ancient world, the capital of the mighty Roman Empire. But Paul is not in Rome as a tourist. He's not seeing the sights. He's not even there as an evangelist or a church planter. But he's there awaiting trial. What has happened in the previous chapters is that Paul has really started to get under the skin of the Jewish authorities by proclaiming Jesus as Messiah, by proclaiming that Jesus is raised from the dead. And actually, they want to kill Paul. They want to see him gone. But Paul has appealed, as a Roman citizen, he could do this, to the highest authority of the day, which was the emperor in Rome. And so he's been taken to Rome, he's now there, and he's awaiting trial. And as trials often do, it's dragging on a bit, and Paul is under house arrest. He's rented a place, and he's now been there for two years. While he's doing that, people are coming to see him. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's doing it without hindrance. He's preaching the gospel. But he's essentially 
under house arrest. It's not quite the happily ever after. It's not either that or the nail-biting finish. But rather what Luke leaves us with is a lot of unanswered questions. What happens after the two years? The way that Luke writes, we get the impression he knows what happens next. What happens when Paul goes to trial? What happens when he shares the gospel with the emperor? All these unanswered questions that actually the book of Acts finish and we don't actually know what takes place next. Luke leaves us wanting more. I'm just going to read those last two verses again. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So why end there? Why does Luke draw Acts to a close at that point? Well, there are loads of theories. Some are quite plausible. Some just seem a bit off the wall. But actually, the one that I think is the most persuasive is this. Is that Christianity, the faith in Jesus Christ, is now right at the centre of the Roman world. And from there, it will just spill out across the empire. But there's another reason. Paul is not the hero of the book of Acts. Jesus remains the hero. Jesus remains Lord. And actually... As the book of Acts draws to a close, it's not about the story about Paul, but it's about the ongoing story of the proclamation of the gospel. And we're simply encouraged to pick up where Paul left off. But as the book of Acts comes to a close, these unanswered questions remain. And life itself is full of many unanswered questions, isn't it? Things actually we'd like to know why they have happened or why they haven't happened. And these can go from the inconsequential right through to the incredibly profound. You know, those everyday questions. I have lots of everyday questions in life. You know, I want to know why two weeks ago, when we decided to go on holiday for a couple of weeks to North Wales, that the day we left, the temperature was 25 degrees. Overnight, the temperature dropped 10 degrees, and a whole band of wind and rain came in that stayed with us for most of the following two weeks. Why? Why didn't we go on holiday two weeks earlier? I want to know why on the bank holiday Monday, just this last week, Claire and I spent pretty well three or four hours cleaning both our cars. We polished them, we washed them, we vacuumed them. Why on that same day did the farmer behind decide that that was the day he was going to harvest? So as the cars were drying, this whole load of dust came over the back of the church car park and landed on our freshly washed cars. Why? We're never going to find that answer, are we? Then there are those more significant questions. Perhaps those global or national questions. You know, globally, when is this wretched pandemic going to come to an end? When are we going to be able to get back to life in the kind of freedom that we enjoyed beforehand? Or another question, why in a relatively wealthy Western nation do we still have to tackle questions of child poverty? There are also then those very poignant and personal questions sometimes deeply painful questions. You know, just this week, a friend of ours lost her husband, who was my age. Why? Why, Lord? Why does this happen? And we find that life becomes full of unanswered questions. When we have unanswered questions, actually, there are choices to make. There will always be things in this life that remain hidden. Questions that actually we can't answer, things that we don't know. Sometimes, you know, I find in my own life, I I plead with the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? You know, what are you saying through this whole pandemic situation? Lord, what are you saying to me in my personal life? 
But so often, actually, the call of the gospel is not a call to have every question answered, but it's a call to trust and hope in Jesus and a call to continue in faithfulness. You see, the same Paul who is in house arrest in Rome is the same Paul who will write this to the church in Thessalonica. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, sometimes when we we can't find answers in life, when those unanswered questions just sort of hang over us, and we're sort of fearful for the present or for the future, sometimes actually what we can do is retreat away from God. We can do that deliberately, make an active choice to back away from him, or we can just find ourselves drifting because we're not coming close to him. Or we can find ourselves making the active decision that Paul must have made to use whatever situation we find ourselves in, whether it is in house arrest in Rome awaiting trial, whether it is actually being at home because of this virus is continuing, whether it is a life that is slightly different than we were hoping for. And we can use that to give thanks to God for the hope we have in the gospel and to keep sharing the good news. This morning, do we believe that Jesus really is the hope of the nations? Do we believe that? Do we have faith in that, that actually Jesus is the hope for the people of Lim, for the people of Thelwall, for High Lee, for Grappenhall, for the areas around here, for our nation, for our world? Do we believe that Jesus has died, has risen, is exalted and is one day returning? As we go back into this autumn term, over the coming days and weeks. Children are going back to school. Some already have. Students will be going back to university. For many people, workplaces are slowly starting to reopen and offices are um, sort of opening their doors again. But there are so many unanswered questions still hovering around. We don't know what this term is going to bring. We don't know what will happen over the coming months. As a church family this morning, we've already heard some of the changes that will be taking place over the coming weeks, how we will be trying to get some of the things of church moving again. But it won't yet be like anything like our past normal. There'll be lots of questions, things that at the moment we can't answer about moving forward. Now, with every part of me, I would love to stand here today and say, don't worry, in a couple of weeks, we'll all be back to normal. But I can't do that. None of us can. These questions at the moment remain unanswered. But I think Paul here would encourage us that there is still so much we can do. We still have an unbelievable hope. We still have a great expectation in Jesus. We still have faith that is incredible. If only we will turn our lives and face the Lord. There is so much to be thankful for in the gospel. So much of the kingdom to keep proclaiming. So whilst we can't answer some of the questions of today, we can answer some actually rather bigger and more poignant questions this morning. You know, the scriptures will tell us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. The scriptures will tell us that Jesus died, he's risen and he will come back in great glory. The book of Acts will tell us that the spirit has been poured out and that we can know Christ in our hearts through his spirit. Whilst we don't know exactly what the following months will hold, we still have good news to share. We still have a gospel 
that we're called to be witnesses to. And in many ways, the ending of the book of Acts is simply the encouragement to come on, let's pick off where Paul got to. Let's take the gospel. Let's keep going. Let's keep sharing. So whether this term finds you in many ways in a position like Paul was at home, perhaps solely at home or perhaps largely at home, whether you are heading back into life in some kind of more normality, whether you're feeling hopeful or whether you're feeling weary, can encourage us, as the writer of Hebrews says, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You know, there will be a day when all those unanswered questions will be answered. There will be a day when Jesus will return. But that hasn't happened yet. Until it does, we have a gospel to talk about. We have a kingdom that needs proclaiming. We're called to faithful living, faithful sharing and hopeful serving. So this term, as we journey into the next months ahead, will we fix our eyes on Jesus? Will we keep faithful to him? And will we keep sharing him? Let's pray that that becomes our reality. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the hope that we can have in you today. Thank you for the example of Paul who was faithful even when life wasn't going perhaps as he had wanted it to go. And Lord, we just pray, however life is for us today, that we will be faithful. But more than that, we will also be committed to sharing you. So help us as we've looked at this this passage this morning to follow Paul's example and to pick up where he left off in sharing you and talking about the good news. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.